The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors. Healthy Lifestyle with Lorianne is brought to you by Northwell Health. Visit them online at northwell.edu. afternoon and welcome to Healthy Lifestyle. I'm Lorianne Kazdia. Our goal here at Healthy Lifestyle is to inspire, educate, and empower you to fulfill a healthy, emotional, spiritual, and physical life so you can feel empowered to live the life you have always wanted and dreamed. Well, I'm hoping you're having a wonderful day and have had a wonderful week. And uh, I was actually this weekend speaking to a couple of friends about uh, some financial issues and things like that. And I thought, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be great to have the great, wonderful Rhonda Kulch of Equity First and Equity First Foundation. And we'll talk about the differences between those two um, on the show. And really today she's on our show. So I'm really excited to invite you to the show. Rhonda, thank you so much for being on. So thank you for the call. I appreciate the opportunity. No worries. I was, uh, like I said, I was, I was uh, talking to some friends about finances, and I'll get that into that uh, in a second. But um, first, for our listeners, edification. Can you explain the difference between your company, Equity First, and your not-for-profit, Equity First Foundation? Sure, absolutely. So, Equity First was um, established uh, in two thousand and four. We focus on helping small businesses and consumers that are in financial distress. So predominantly, that means somebody with debt issues, credit card issues, mortgage-related problems, um, maybe making some good decisions for their businesses, but they physically need somebody to handhold them and walk them from point A to point B. Um, so we do all the consultations and we physically do all that handholding to make sure that we problem solve on behalf of our clients. In 2015, I opened up the Equity First Foundation. As a mom of five, I realized that my children were not really learning the basics of what we refer to now as financial literacy, understanding smart choices, how to have conversations about money and finance with family members, understanding the appropriate types of credit and what makes sense for somebody in high school, somebody in college and adulthood. So the Equity First Foundation, um, again, we opened that in 2015, and we focus on financial literacy education and programs for school districts. We do it for our community, and then we do corporate lunch and learn. Um, And again, there, we're literally going in and giving them the basics and overview and the tools so that they have um, a baseline understanding of of how to be responsible with their money. Yeah, and it's it's not uncommon for people to just not understand and have financial literacy, as you put it in put it in terms like that. Um, I, I totally agree that we don't cover that enough in our schools, be, be it uh, secondary school or even higher education. We don't give those tools to our children. I we do from home, if you will, and some sometimes people don't because they it's just scary. It's something that people keep very private. Um, and keeping it private too, they ignore it because it's really a scary topic for most people. Do you find that? We find that all the time. Yeah. And, you know, a couple of great examples is, you know, people will say to me um, from the equity first side, you know, well, who's a good, you know, 
who who do you see? And I'll say to them, you know, my clients, you know, I have attorneys. They yeah. are smart, well-educated people, but they were not required to take business classes. So yeah. you have these amazing people with wonderful degrees of education, but they can't balance the checkbook. Yeah. And when they go to their personal side, they, they just can't do it. They just can't no. uh, put those tools into place and, and even um, making smart credit decisions and things like that. And it's, it's, it's kind of kept to be what seemingly is a mystery for a lot of people. So, and that's something that you, you deal with on a day-to-day basis. I love the fact that you have the foundation and, and are on the educational side of it to help us kind of fill that hole, that need, that requirement. You're also, You've been on the show before, but in a different role. You're the founder of the Angel Awards, which I think is a beautiful thing. You really lift up business owners, and I think that's a a wonderful foundation as well. Thank you. It's so great. So with that said, so what trends are you seeing with small businesses these days? Um, On the small business side, um, it's a variety of things. We're getting a lot of people who are... Um, finally just starting to see income coming in from, you know, PPP programs. But we also are seeing a lot of people who are in fear of decision making. They're actually polarized and paralyzed by making decisions um, in today's economy and market. So they have X amount of dollars and they're trying to figure out, do I pay my bills? Do I hire new employees? So a lot of what we're seeing trend-wise, at least for, I'll say, summer 2020, is people actually making decisions and creating plans. So Uh, They're a little lost. Right now, I get it. So, so what would your recommendation be? You know, should should they liquidate assets and pay their bills if if they lost income? Should should they pay their bills or should, what's the best way to go? I think what happens is, you know, at least from where I stand, when I'm talking with anybody that's a client, is looking at the overall picture. Right, it's really hard to kind of just say pay your bills or don't. What's important is that people know whether or not they're putting a band aid on a big problem. So to give you an example, if a client comes to me and says, look, I have $40,000 in credit card debt, I have $10,000 in the bank, and that 10,000 will maybe get me through another month, maybe a month and a half of me making myself current on all of my expenses. And they'll look to liquidate assets because in their mind, things will change, things will get better, and the income will come. The reality is that if they haven't seen any progression in the last six weeks to two months in their business cycle, right now, I would generally not recommend for somebody to liquidate assets in order to pay their expenses, because it's important for me, at least the way that I review um, with my clients, I don't want to see them you know, liquidate an emergency fund. Even though this would be constituted as an emergency, it's more important for my clients to put food on the table and keep their lights on than it is for them to pay perhaps maybe a Home Depot credit card or an Amazon credit card, right? Yeah. So um, we also look at making sure if they're not band-aiding a bigger problem, some of the assets that people have are protected assets, such as an IRA and certain types of retirement funds. So when we get clients that ask us, well, I want to liquidate because I'm having financial problems, again, if you haven't gotten to the root of the problem and you have not yet created a plan of action with accountability and timeline, 
the chances are you're setting yourself up for failure and you've liquidated an asset that could have been protected in the event that somebody had to file a bankruptcy. And the other thing is, is when you liquidate something like an IRA or a 401k, you have to be careful. Sometimes by the time you liquidate it, pay the taxes and there's penalties and all these other things, you get half of what you think you're going to get. So you you may think you're filling a hole and you end up actually putting yourself in a hole and there's tax ramifications potentially at the other end. So, so I mean, you really, really need to speak to someone like yourself who can answer those questions and be informed so you can make an informed decision as a consumer, whether it's your personal or your small business. So here's a scenario I was talking about over the weekend. So I I know this client of mine who is um, having a bit of a struggle. Um, They're kind of embarrassed of the situation. It would be the second time that they would potentially go into bankruptcy. Um, They uh, are days, maybe weeks away from losing their house. Um, and they are uncomfortable and unwilling to share financial situations. Um, it's just a bad scenario across the board. And yet they want people to help them. So how do you deal with that? I mean, what do you do with someone who continually puts themselves in a position and, and gets themselves into that financial hole? W- what are your recommendations with that? Other than stop doing that? <laughs> <laughs> Which is exactly what I said. Stop doing that. (laughs) Sure. So in a scenario like that, are they self-employed? They are not. Okay. So these are people who have standard, you know, standard jobs. And I don't mean standard in a bad way, but they are W-2. They have the same income that comes into their household all the time. Correct. Okay. So, So actually, believe it or not, that works to their advantage because they know that there's a certain level of consistency. Right. So in a scenario like that, it's important for them to be reminded of the fact of they cannot live above their means. What we see a lot of times, especially, you know, we're on Long Island, is a lot of people want to keep up with what everybody else in their circle is doing. And because you hit it on the head, the finances are personal and emotional they don't want anybody to know their business. Sure. So therefore, instead of them declining something, they go ahead and they're saying, I could do that too. And they want to keep up with what everybody else is doing. So there are ways that we recommend to clients to say, look, you need to stop this behavior and you need to be able to reset. And so a few of them, you know, a few of these ideas would be A, number one, if they have children, now is the perfect time to set standards and expectations around how much money they would be potentially spending on their children. So for example, the, you know, clients of ours, they'll come to us and they'll say, you don't understand. I live in X town and, you know, everybody has a new cell phone. Everybody has $200 sneakers. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, what we'll do is I'll say, okay, great. Let's go through an example. And we, we break down the barriers for them. And we teach them how to actually communicate with their children so that hopefully that helps alleviate some of the emotional stress. The parents never want to feel like they are telling their children no. So what we do is we look for alternative solutions. So, for example, maybe there is that iPhone or that pocketbook or those pairs, you know, that pair of sneakers. But we are sending people, and I know it sounds silly, but we send them to the marketplace on Facebook. Go ahead and look on Let Go. 
again, it sounds crazy that I even say this. No. But how much goes on these sites? would would blow your mind. Yes, and, and that's totally brilliant because you can get the same or similar product and not pay for Correct. a full boat for it. And you're showing, what are you teaching your kids by doing that too? You're teaching them to be smart spenders as well, right? Absolutely. Um, and it's okay to not impulse buy. It's you know okay to put yourself on a budget. Um, I've had clients, you know, actually just spoke to, just spoke to one again last week and it kills me. Because I'm going, did you, uh, did you not learn? You know, <laughs> yeah. you sit around, you know, it gets me, it almost makes me feel like a failure, which I hate more than anything. Um, You're anything but, but that, Rhonda, anything yeah. but that. <laughs> so it becomes, you know, it becomes frustrating. But if people are having a hard time, one of the other recommendations is to create what I refer to as a forced placed savings program. People learn to live based on their net income. So if you make the net income a little bit less because you are directing a certain amount of funds into a savings account every single paycheck or once a month, that becomes an additional way that they are only spending what is in front of them. So for example, if they've gotten very comfortable because net income is $8,000 a month and they're realizing that they can't live on $8,000 or they're spending more. I know it sounds crazy, but if they're spending more, now's a good time for them to learn to live on less. They haven't really felt the pain yet um, because it, it, something's always happened that has gotten themselves out. So in your scenario, you've indicated they've already filed bankruptcy once and they are days away from losing a home. And there's nothing more embarrassing than having to talk to your family, friends, and neighbors about your financial scenarios. Therefore, if somebody's not paying the mortgage, they're not paying on their credit, in programs that we do, we immediately put them in a forced place savings program so that if they're going to mess up, they're messing up on my clock, not somebody else's. They have to get used to what we refer to as the real normal, not the new normal. Yep. Yep. That makes perfect sense. And, and how does, you know, how can you protect a credit score by doing things like this or, or credit score with making the choices that you're suggesting to people? How do you protect that credit score? Because I, I, I think it's, some of it doesn't make any sense. If you spend too much money on a credit card, um, but you pay it off every month, you, you don't get any plus scores for that. You don't ne get negative scores, but you don't get any plus scores. And then if you have, if you're going to go for, um, for a mortgage or something like that, and you want to have two banks compete because they're both checking your credit score, your credit score do goes down as a result of those hard inquiries. So how do you, how do you protect that credit score? So again, you know, everybody comes to us for something different. So first and foremost, Making sure that even if you are having financial difficulty, always do the best that you can to make the minimum payment. So your credit is, you know, your credit is based off of how well your payment history is. And then what we also refer to as your utilization rate. So your utilization is if you have a thousand dollars worth of credit and you've used a thousand, you have, that means you've used a hundred percent of your credit and that that's bad. 
recommendation okay, so, is what ten percent, right? So um, no more than ten percent. The best, the best is anything under thirty. Got it. So you're actually okay. So what we'll recommend to somebody is, look, if you have to use a thousand dollars worth of credit, let's get you more than maybe one credit card. Let's get you two credit cards. So maybe instead of it being a thousand, you have access to more lines of credit, even if you're not using them, that will decrease your utilization and increase your credit score. If you are somebody that uses your credit and then pays it off every single month, you may want to try to go to utilizing a debit card or even an American Express card, because there's a difference between a credit card and a charge card. And what's a it? credit card is... I am using the money. I could either make a minimum payment. You've you've extended to me credit, right? So I could pay you back in full or I could pay you back in installments based on a specific interest rate. Well, why wouldn't if it you, be why wouldn't it be a good thing to pay back in its entirety? If you have that capability and you're like, "Okay, I want to get my airline points, so but I I, exactly. I pay it off at the end of the month." Something like that, I would probably recommend them utilizing an American Express card because American Express has charge cards, not credit cards, which means you use them, you pay. You use it, you pay. So what happens is that if you are going for a mortgage, use that as an example like you brought up, and somebody is accustomed to putting all of their expenses onto a credit card because they want the points, like you're saying, whether it be air air miles or it could be reward points. So we've been encouraged to use our charge cards so that we can rack up points in one form or another. So, however, what happens is that if you're applying for a mortgage and they run your credit when you're in the middle of a cycle where it does not show a zero balance, it shows a full balance, your credit will be reflected again in between. So what we would normally recommend is to get additional lines of credit, still spend the same amount, but if your payment history is good, during the period of time where you have nothing on that credit card, you can go online. It's very simple. Go online. You can apply for another credit card, or if you have really good payment history, contact your current credit um, card holder. And you could ask them to run you for a credit line increase. If they see that you're a good payer, they can give you a credit line increase. And again, that will help in the overall credit scenario where somebody's utilization may be normally too high. Understood. Understood. And 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 so when I'm looking for credit cards, do they depict themselves as credit card versus charge cards? Generally, no. Um, you know, most... Most of the advertisements that you will see out there, it will specifically state that it is a, you know, I I shouldn't say necessarily no, but the ads that you're seeing are predominantly going to be for credit cards or even, again, what I usually recommend to somebody, and again, these are like little tricks. If you're not sure what is best for you based on your credit, meaning you have people who are coming out of bankruptcy, you have people who are new credit users. You have students that are in college. So there's all different types of credit for people at different stages of their life. So knowing what type of credit to apply for is important. So what I would usually recommend to a client who wants to have a new credit card, I'll say, look, just put into Google search bar about yourself. 
credit for somebody post-bankruptcy. Credit for somebody who is a new credit user. Credit for somebody who is in college. Um, credit for bad credit scores. <laughs> Just put in whatever that terminology is. And the current credit card companies that have offers out there will automatically pop up because they're paying to be in that right in that search. Outstanding. That's outstanding. You are listening to Healthy Lifestyle. I'm Laurieann Kazdia. We are speaking to Rhonda Kulch, and she is going to come back, and we're going to have more conversations about charge cards versus credit cards, and also uh, talking about whether or not we should access our equity in our home right now, if it's smart or not, and all other kind of things that will help financial literacy, because we want you to be informed so you make really, really good decisions, especially at this time. So just take a break, go grab a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, something that you'd like to drink, and we will be right back. Healthy Lifestyle with Lorianne is brought to you by Northwell Health. Visit them online at northwell.edu. Welcome back to Healthy Lifestyle. I'm Lorianne Castilla. If you have any questions, comments, ideas you'd like to hear more about, please email us at healthylifestylewithla at gmail.com. And of course, Follow us on social media at Healthy Lifestyle with LA. We're so excited. We got some changes, some changes coming up that'll be really good and uh, be going live. So we're we're very excited about that. But we're really really excited about uh, what seemingly is personal finances 101 with Rhonda Kulch today uh, from Equity First and Equity First Foundation. Uh, she is just a powerhouse of knowledge. If you ever need information about finances, if you need assistance with finances, there is nothing to be um, embarrassed or shy about because this is your life and finances is the the core and a foundation for our lives. So to be able to know and be informed and and make informed decisions about your finances is so powerful and empowering. Uh, It would just make sense for you to reach out either to Rhonda or other people who do things like this. Uh, I, I only know Rhonda to do something like this from Equity First because they really dive in and teach you how to really and empower you, quite frankly, how to really handle your finances. So uh, Equity First First is a, a great organization. They also offer free financial sessions and plans. So I really encourage you to take them up on that offer. Rhonda, thank you so much for being on the show today. And uh, I'd love to continue our conversation. Sure. So, so we were talking about, you know, Googling credit for somebody post-bankruptcy and things like that, which is a brilliant idea. But I had another thought. And uh, one of the oh. questions that came in to us was, if, um, if it really is a smart idea right now to access equity in our, ho- in our home right now, if you have a home, you have equity in it, and you feel the bill's piling up and, uh, you know, you're, you're unsure of what's going to happen in, in the next couple of months, is that a good idea? You know what? Normally, um, I I don't recommend doing certain things because I refer to that as compounding, right? You're band-aiding a scenario and you're compounding debt. However, where it comes to the equity in your home and you're looking at the grand scheme of where your life could be if you've been able to take away that debt, with the interest rates being as low as they are, I absolutely would recommend for somebody to do a refinance. The only, I don't want to say concern or question, et cetera, that 
I always want to make it a point to somebody is that they could always call me. I'm not a licensed loan officer, but I am somebody who is an independent person that can take a look at exactly what's going on in their finances and help them make the right decision. What I've been seeing a lot lately are people, again, on different social media platforms saying, looking for a great mortgage broker, thinking about refinancing. And within an hour, there are 50 mortgage professionals that are attacking this person going, I'll give you the best rate. I'll give you the best service. I'm going to do this. And it becomes very overwhelming. And I just spoke to a wonderful woman um, probably about two weeks ago, exact scenario like this, where she landed up calling me. I, I you know, responded back to her saying, when everybody else is attacking you, it's because it's their job. Their job is to get that business in. I'm an independent. Let me look at your scenario and see if refinancing even makes sense for you. And in her scenario, it did not. Why not? But it didn't make sense because she bought the house a few years ago. Her interest rate was already in the fours. Her loan amount was so high that by the time she went through all of the closing costs again, just to reduce her interest rate by 1% did not make sense. I then looked at what it would be for her to do maybe a 20-year or a 15-year, right? Like I ran those numbers. Sure. Because if you have somebody who's financially comfortable, they may want to take advantage of these low interest rates and actually go from a 30-year mortgage to a 20 or a 15. Right. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, what's what's the good differential between fin- finance? Um, so so if if we have a finance of uh, three point seven five, or we have a finance of let's let's make it four four point oh. Wh- how many points lower should it be before you decide to do a refi? Generically speaking. Generically speaking, it should be about at least one and a half to two percent. However, Long Island is its own breed, and what I say, what I mean by that is. Our loan amounts are much higher. So because our loan amounts are much higher, the difference in between does make all the sense in the world. So if you go from, if you go from 4% to 3%, but you have a very high loan amount, then, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Then that would be, then that would be fine. That would be a huge savings. And and what's the mm-hmm. difference in a payment between a 30-year, a 20-year, and a 15-year? Because I understand that if you do bi-weekly payments, you can actually take a 30-year and bring it down to 22. What happens essentially is by making those bi-weekly payments, you're actually, and just so you know, I'm going to give you a little tip on that too. You're actually advancing a certain percentage of the principal. Mm-hmm. And it lands up making one extra payment a year. So if somebody's curious to see exactly how much it would be, you know, how much they can shave off, it's called an amortization table. Mm -hmm. And based on the amortization table, you don't even have to do specifically bi-weekly payments. You could could, um, go ahead and say, well, what would it look like if I only made an extra $100 payment? What would it look like if I made, you know, if I made an extra, you know, $200 payment. And it's called an amortization schedule. And you can find those online. You get them online for free. So somebody, um, it's one of our tools that we use when we're actually sitting with, um, with clients. And when people are trying to figure out, 
you know, do I pay off my mortgage? Is that a smart move? You know, I have extra money. They're trying to figure out what to do. The amortization schedule will help them to identify whether or not it's worth it for them to make that extra payment. What I generally do is if somebody has extra money, I want to make sure first that they are fueling a savings and emergency account because the interest rates right now are so low that you will never be able to borrow money this cheap again. Right. So why pay off something so cheap? I'd rather see somebody invested in the market and get a higher rate of return or take that extra money and put it into an IRA, something where they may have more value, again, only because the interest rates right now are so low that you just won't have the opportunity to borrow money this cheap. Understood. So so then here's the, the next question that came in is, sure. what is what is a mortgage modification? And is is that a good idea for someone to apply to if they're afraid of defaulting on their loan? So mortgage modifications really um, became popular in 2007 when we had the market crash. Right. And a a mortgage modification, and and I do say this to clients as well, it is a privilege, not a right. What do you mean by that? I'm going to explain. It's a privilege for you to own a home. It's not a right for you to own a home. Everybody needs to have shelter. But it is a privilege to be able to own your own home. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. So when a bank lends you money and they are willing to help negotiate those terms if you are afraid of default, that, again, is a privilege. It is not a right. Sure. So there are so many people that say... My, I, I, I attempted, I lost my home, I tried to do a modification, my lender would not work with me, but yet I know 10 other people that landed up getting, you know, 2% interest rate. I want that too. Again, it is a privilege. It is not a right. It is a very specific financial equation on whether or not somebody qualifies. But the first line of defense, if you know that you cannot afford to pay your mortgage and you are afraid of going into default Mm -hmm. is to contact and keep communication between yourself and your lender. The person on the other end of the phone, when you call the lender is not really there to help you. They're there to let you know about what resources may be available to you but you then have to qualify. Right. So they're showing you the different options, but you still have to qualify. Correct. Makes perfect sense. Right. So again, if your financial scenario does not support that you could afford even a modified payment, you will be denied. If you apply for a modification and the bank realizes the mortgage is not a problem, it's the three car payments and the credit cards that are a problem, you will be denied. Yeah, so it makes perfect sense. And and here's another question is in this time when people were allowed based on the, what the governor said is that they could uh, not pay their mortgage and, and nothing yeah. would happen to them for that. Some people didn't realize and understand they have to eventually pay it. So they're just Correct. racking up interest on it <laughs> that they weren't given a, you know, a, a $200 pass go or, you know, go yeah. to jail for free kind of thing. It's they have to pay it back. And a lot of people didn't understand that. 
I actually had a conversation with someone who said, no, 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 the governor said. And I said, no, that's not what the governor said. The governor yeah. said that they weren't allowed to charge you fees report. or take your home and that's report on it. Mm-hmm. But you still owed it. And that, to me, was a huge differential that kind of went over people's head because it sounded really, really good the way it, it was represented. And to me, that's a scary undertaking because you, you're, it's, it's just a feeling of being deceived when you realize what it really meant. Um, and then some people didn't really care. They said, well, we're not going to pay their, the mortgage company. And I was just like, yikes, you have a business agreement with these people to pay them back. You know, so I love it when you say it's a privilege and not a right. And it's a responsibility. And uh, we need to be held accountable for our and be responsible for commitments that we've made, especially on something like a house, which is in fact a privilege. I love that you you say it that way. Now People we get angry. What'd you <laughs> they, say? They get ang- clients get angry. Oh yeah. yeah. And I'll say to them, it is a privilege. Forget about the successes of other people you know that have had success in modification. Your scenario, your debt, your lender, your investor. There, every ounce of your scenario, it's like a blueprint, is different than everybody else on your, you know, in your neighborhood. Yeah. You cannot even compare. Yeah, and one shouldn't. One definitely shouldn't. But you, if you, if you're uncomfortable or not sure about your finances, really, really reach out. Um, and you can reach Rhonda at EquityFirstConsultants.com. Uh, that that would be a really good place to go. She's on Instagram, Facebook, same thing. Equity First Foundations or Equity First Consultants. Either way, you're going to find Rhonda and be able to reach out to her to get more information like this. This is Rhonda. This is so great. It's like uh, like I said before. It's it's personal finances 101. Um, I I would love to have you back for 102. But before we wrap up in the last few minutes that we have here, I do know something about you that this field didn't choose. uh, You didn't choose this field. The field chose you. And and how did that happen? I think, you know, I've, I've always been an entrepreneur and I've always been focused around business. And I've had so many opportunities to, you know, be a financial planner or get involved in higher levels of banking or stocks, et cetera. Um, but I'm a problem solver. And I think for those people that do know me, once they have a taste of what I do, they, they love it. I'm a problem solver. And I love the challenge. There's nothing worse than doing the same thing day in and day out. I totally agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> so this, you know, I've been doing what I do now for just, I'm going on 24 years. And what I love is that every day there's a different level of diversity and something different that I'm working on. And when the market changes and our economy changes, and even as we as people and adults are, um, are changing, all of those factors play into how I develop and make recommendations for my clients. So, I, I tell people, you know, I'm a problem solver. So, yes, you're 100%. This career path chose me because this, for me, is exciting and it's stimulating and it allows me the freedom to explore 
um, and research on behalf of somebody other than myself. Yeah, it's exciting. I, 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 I'm right up there with you. I love doing that too as well. I'm a, I'm a fixer. I like to help people uh, jump hurdles. So I, I totally understand where you're coming from. The other thing that I love about you is you're, you're so honest. You have great integrity and, and you're really direct with your clients. Sometimes they don't like that, I'm sure, but you're very direct with your clients. And mm-hmm. I think in the end, they're very appreciative because this is not a time and finances is not a time to play, you know, smoke and mirrors and fluffy. Um, it's a time. Yeah to get down to brass tactics, right? Mm-hmm, 100%. And, and that's definitely what you do. And I, and I really appreciate you for that. I, um, I do want to ask you what your why is. Why do you do what you do? You know, um, I say to people all the time, it's just what makes me, me. So there are those times where the why might be about the money or the why might be about a bigger picture. Um, for anybody that knows me, I am as stripped down as I can be, and I am probably one of the most humble people that I know. And my why for me is because it makes me feel good at the end of the day, and it's not about the dollars. It's about the feeling that I've helped somebody else achieve success. And that success becomes my success. Oh, my gosh. So every week on on the show, our listeners hear me talk about service, 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 service. And that is the epitome of service. And yes, you're allowed to feel good about helping other people. And it's a great feeling. Right, Rhonda? Oh my God, it's amazing! Yeah, it's well, life changing. It is. It really is. It's it's fun. At the end of the day, you, I know I uh, I bounce in my, my I have a bounce in my walk when I know I've been able to help someone or solve mm-hmm. a problem or so. And I see it in you. You're just you're really you're all energy and so sincere. And I do appreciate that in you. So so one one more thing, really quickly, um, emotional. It's financials is, is very emotional. How do we separate that? How do we, you know, put that line between emotions and finances? Um, you know, again, that's what people come to me for. Um, this is where I have to be brutally honest with clients. But if somebody is not sure about making decisions, I tell them, create a chart, look at the, you know, take out a chart pros and cons about everything that they have going on and then what their decisions are. And, let them kind of track it. And then again, holding themselves accountable. The biggest problem that people have is that they are extending their own deadline because they're not accountable to anybody. So by giving themselves their own benchmark. So for example, I'm having a tough time in my business. How many months is it going to take before they decide whether or not that business is not sustainable? People don't want to face failure But if they create benchmarks, you know, within month three, I need to be here. Within month six, I need to be here. And that holds true with anything that we do. So for your friend who's having financial difficulty, if they're focused on things that are small and obtainable and they're calendared and they hold themselves accountable, they will feel success and see success, which will keep them moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, because you have to pull yourself one step at a time out of the hole that you're in. It doesn't happen overnight. There's no magic yeah. pill. There's no magic move. There's nothing, you know, the the hoping you win the lottery is just not going to make it happen. So nope. one step at a time moving in the direction. Rhonda, if someone needs to reach out and they should reach out to you, how do they reach out to you? And what kind of financial in, investment is is it to work with you? 
So realistically, I tell everybody they can give me a call. Uh, the office line is 631-714-4822, and I am extension 102. Um, they can look me up, Rhonda Kulch, K-L-C-H, on any form of social media. They can send me a message. Um, there is no fee for anybody to reach out and contact me. Um, my you know, because I want to work with people that want to work with me, it's also very important that we make sure that there's synergy. So first and foremost is for me to give them a free session, sit down with them, help them create a plan. I have multiple people that I sit with throughout the course of the month that are very capable of handling their own scenarios and dealing with their own problems. They almost just wanted somebody to say that what they were looking to do is correct. Confirmation and validation. Yep. Correct. And that's perfect. And I'm glad I could be part of that. If somebody needs a more deeper dive, um, those, those prices are generally discussed after the fact, but never before, because I don't want anybody to ever fear that by contacting me, that they're getting themselves in more debt. We work within budgets. We work within what people can afford if they cannot afford it, but they need the help we will never turn somebody away. And we know if that's the case because we're deep diving in their finance. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Rhonda, thank you so much for being on today. You were just a wealth of information. I know I learned a lot. I hope our listeners learned a lot. And thank you all for joining us today on Healthy Lifestyle. I hope you enjoyed today's session because Rhonda is a powerhouse and just a really, really great human being. And you know how I feel about that. My heart is always lifted, by the way, by sharing this time with all of you. So again, I want to thank our guest today, Rhonda Kolch from Equity First. Please reach out to her if you feel the need or if you want any information. She's a wealth of information. The foundation is available to provide um, education to students and anybody of all ages. And as I always say, we are here to serve one another. So take a moment, step out of your day, do a little something for someone else. In the meantime, thank you for joining us on Healthy Lifestyle. I'm Laurieann Kazdia. Until next time, play a higher role, serve a higher purpose, show up for you and show up big. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting, management, or its sponsors.